It's actually a superpower, the fact that you can like see something, it doesn't move you, and then you seek to make it move you. If you subscribe to the thing, the idea that most things just aren't really that original, right? Like I didn't invent feeding hungry people. If you see a way to make something better and to tell a, a story that helps other people resonate with it or connect with it, make it easy for people to kind of participate, then through the lens of this endeavor, you're able to make exponential impact and kind of compound on the work that other people are already doing. So I was raised by a, a single mother. Was it your mother or my some mother. other single mother? Yeah, no, no, I say it's my single mother. <laughs> I was an only child and my earliest memories were her starting a business out of our one bedroom apartment. Some people's parents are doctors or lawyers or mechanic or whatever, you, that's what you see, that's what your orientation of the world is. So mine was somebody who had no formal education, we had to figure out, it was either I'm gonna work these three minimum wage jobs and I gotta raise this kid or I'm gonna try to figure some shit out. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Innovation Crush, Masters of Craft. How are you doing today, AJ Rilan? Uh I think I'm doing okay. I think you're doing okay too. Yeah. You're having a good hair day, even, good though day you, you. even though you doubted it. It rained. I wasn't expecting it to rain, but it's been raining a lot in L.A. lately. Could get you a bucket hat. <laughs> but then I wouldn't, I mean, if I have bucket hat, then I'd have bucket hat head. True. Yeah. All right, problem solved. Um, when I Google you, the first thing that comes up is an investor, entrepreneur, and community builder, um, which is not always synonymous in the venture capital VC, you know, all the things that you do. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about the community building piece, and then we'll get into all the other nosy stuff. Um, that's a that's a great question. I'd say you know, over the past decade, I've been a lot more intentional around it. Um, I'd say the majority of the things that I get credit for contributing to or creating, um, it all kind of comes back to bringing people together for the right reasons. Uh, and when I think back on my life, that's always kind of been my favorite thing to do. But I guess more formally. Um, you know, it started with my career in the restaurant business. You know, I've been in the hospitality industry now for a little over a decade. Um, opened my first uh, restaurant with, with some partners um, and just really loved kind of bringing people together. It started around sports. Um, and then kind of around that time, I started using the space to bring people together uh, after I was prescribed by a therapist to go out and start volunteering as a way to deal with some you know, personal, professional transitions that I was just kind of going through and then um, didn't really see the connection towards like community work or community service or giving back and mental health and how it kind of improves the quality of that um, and ended up starting an organization that was, you know, founded around this idea of solving food insecurity and creating awareness around st homelessness starting in, in L.A. Um, and then that became its own thing that kind of grew globally and but it kind of got me thinking more around how to kind of uh, implement more things like that with that ethos into everything that I did, whether it was entrepreneurially or, you know, through investing, which at the time didn't really make sense, but most things don't until you do them and look back on them. Uh, you're referring to hashtag lunch bag. I am. And, and I did not know that that, that, that was a result of therapy, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Um, tell us about hashtag lunch bag and um, how it felt to first launching it and then here we are almost 10 years 10 years later you just did yeah, a 10 year no, anniversary we just, we just so had, yeah. yeah like what was that initial thing because i think some of these like emotional and mental uh transitions can be uncomfortable at first and mm -hmm. then suddenly you're like oh this is actually really and hashtag lunchback is dope but i'll let no, you no I'll let you no i appreciate that yeah really 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 high level uh i'd say back in 2012 i had a very you know a lot of change in my life a lot of loss um unexpected loss like some expected loss just 
things that were kind of shifting. I was in my late 20s. Just I think there's just a thing that happens in your late 20s if you have any type of ambition that kind of creates a level of discomfort that kind of causes you to seek a little bit more across mm. the spectrum. Um, you know, so I was pretty proactive around getting getting help or, you know, talking to a therapist, which I think everybody could benefit from. Um, and then, you know, I was kind of got got hit with the D word. It was like, oh, I think you're suffering from depression, which wasn't a surprise for me because everybody in my family's depressed and mm. everybody in my family's on, you know, antidepressants and they're still not doing that great. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm not surprised that that's something that I kind of have to deal with, but uh, I'd be down to figure out another way to deal with it. And, you know, after you kind of get hit with the, you should go out and meditate, which I eventually started doing, which was great. Um, maybe if you tried journaling, I really haven't gotten into that, but when I do find time to write my thoughts, it works out. And the volunteering thing I thought was a little silly because, <laughs> you know, I'd gone to Catholic school. I had mandatory community service. I didn't necessarily see the connection. Right. Probably not in my youth because you don't really know why you're doing it. You're just doing it because you have to finish an assignment. told me to. Yeah. And yeah. then um, it was uh, – when I finally got around to it, it was a friend of mine um, had invited me to join her and a group of her friends to go to a soup kitchen on Thanksgiving, which is like this designated day of giving uh, downtown right off of Skid Row, which I was like, great, this is on my to-do list. I'm like a high-functioning, depressed person. Nobody really knows. <laughs> I got it all figured out or covered up. And I went, and the experience was kind of, you know, it was like well-intentioned, but it was not really that fulfilling or rewarding i mean i was still kind of in my own like head around it and then christmas i woke up um and day two of two designated day of giving where you know i was guilty of this as well where you're starting to think about doing something outside of yourself and i had procrastinated and i was mm -hmm. with a group of my friends and we hadn't really you know uh lined up an opportunity so we just went to our local grocery store and we're like let's just there's enough need in our local neighborhood and living in west hollywood at the time so i'm like let's just feed 100 people and made it fun second nature shared it on social media we we're like listening to, to dmx christmas carols watching the <laughs> lakers beat the knicks right um drinking some champagne invited some friends over kind of turned it into a party situation and then you know didn't really think anything of it didn't necessarily share my personal desire to go out and do something like that but got enough of a uh, positive feedback from friends and followers that we decided to make it another thing that we did the following month out of our house and then just committed to doing it as a monthly thing ended up growing into uh, the parlor which we spent a lot of time at and it became a thing that we just started doing once a month and every month after the la after the event we just checked the hashtag and then we started seeing other people in other cities doing it mm. people that we hadn't seen in forever people that we had never met and that's the beauty of the internet right you don't really know who's watching and you know who's taking inspiration from what you're doing. A lot of us share what we eat or what we're wearing or where we're going, um, all the highlights, but nobody's really- Look at all this you know, drip. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's cool. And then, you know, pretty quickly you kind of realize like, this has really not a whole ton to do with the food or the, the act. It's more about the experience that we created for people to kind of come to their own conclusion of why we're all here. And I um, kind of adopted that into everything else. Let's talk about it by the numbers. Uh, Cause I just want to like the impact you've made collectively with hashtag lunch bag. Yeah. Like what, how's, how's that quantified? Yeah. So uh, day one was Christmas 2012, uh, bought enough food to feed a hundred people for $136 and 32 cents from the local Ralph's. Um, that following month, we fed 200 people. About 10 people showed up to my house, to my apartment, to our apartment. Uh, following month is when we started doing it out of the out of the restaurant. Uh, jumped up to about 1,500 meals. 100 people showed up for that. And then uh, we're about 40 cities in that first nine months. 
There's been hashtag lunch bag events in over 150 cities all over the world. Uh, we just crossed the millionth meal all through a hashtag. So at the end of the day, it's just a really good marketing campaign, yeah. right? We didn't go out in all these cities and set up all this infrastructure, but we have, we've done some really cool partnerships. Like, you know, we helped launch Wells Fargo's mo mobile banking app because they wanted to tell a story about how mm. millennials. Yeah, get they were like hyper local that at was the time. Really I cool. remember it. Yeah, I remember we talked about that. And um, then, uh, Warriors, uh, Laker fan here, but the Warriors when they won the 2015 championship did a big hashtag lunch bag at the Oakland Convention <laughs> Center with all of its season ticket holders. So it's cool. and I love these moments because it's like the, to me those those are like the AJ Berlon like uh, you can't copy that. Um, and I remember, you know, you're one of those people like I, we see each other every couple of years and for a stint of time. And then, uh, but I remember it's like, you're like, oh, I did a rap video with Snoop. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Um, and then you showed it to me. It was like, you are rapping. Like, and, 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 one and done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was one take? Uh, I mean, oh. it was a one, one, it was my, oh, you didn't put out an pity my career. And the, and the functionality of that was to serve as like a visual guide to supplement how to do your own hashtag lunch. Yeah. Yeah. There's something in that, uh, we had a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you talked about how you get bored easily, which could cut to the beginning of this story, right? Going to feed the homeless on Thanksgiving, you're like, hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You know, I'm gonna do my own thing. And I, I, I don't know, like, just tell me, walk me through that mechanic in you, because I feel like it's actually a superpower, the fact that you can like see something, it doesn't move you, and then you seek to make it move you, right? Yeah. It, uh, it, Forgive me if I'm paraphrasing, but no, I, 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 that's, that's a great question. I think, I mean, if we, if you subscribe to the thing, the idea that most things just aren't really that original, right? Like I didn't invent feeding hungry people. Like Jesus was turning water into wine and shit, right? There's, mm -hmm. and then like I think the 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 the. The, the thing that was super, I mean, for, for any of these things, like whether it's, you know, the, the work that I'm doing in, you know, in the investing landscape, which we can talk about, or the hospitality, these are all things that exist. It's just like, if you see a way to make something better and to tell a, a story that, that helps other people resonate with it or connect with it and participate, make it easy for people to kind of participate, then through the lens of this endeavor, you're able to make exponential impact and kind of compound on the work that other people are already doing. So I think we all have the opportunity to look at things through our lens, trust ourselves that our lived experience can kind of contribute to something. It, it could be better, but like that doesn't mean the old thing wasn't good. It's just like now you have the ability to appeal to a completely different group of people. And in this case, it's just teaching people how to think differently about their role in the world. And that makes yeah. me feel good, right? Like it's it, it, my selfish ulterior motive was just to feel better about some things that I've gone through and it kind of led me to my own conclusion that if there's there's 170 religions in the world they only have one thing in common and it's just like help other people and you'll feel better right yeah. it's like you're lifting down you're feeling down lift somebody else up I didn't necessarily quit my entire life to go and you know live a life of service I, I in, in my own way I have but that doesn't necessarily mean that you know you can't go out and pursue your other wildest dreams too the operative word that comes to mind for me is joy um, and even working with my therapist, we were talking about that concept of like actually creating it for yourself first mm -hmm. and then almost like giving it to people right? mm -hmm. or expressing it through a certain thing. Um, tell us about Sloss and Co. And then tell us what brings joy to you in doing what you do. Oh man, Slauson & Co. is, uh, so at its core, we're early stage, precedes these stage venture capital firm, uh, rooted in this idea of economic inclusion. So, um, you know, about, a, again, a, a decade ago, um, had the opportunity to, 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 you know, start angel investing alongside some friends. Um, 
uh, some really close friends that I've been been close with for a while. Uh, one of them was was Nas, and um, you know, and his manager Anthony. Um, and you know, we, they're doing their thing in the entertainment business, very thoughtful and early as mm-hmm. in, in most things. And you know, we've seen what they've been able to do over the past decade. But had the ability to kind of enter into this world and uh, you know look at what was kind of on the horizon and what was next and how technology had the ability to disrupt our future. Mm. And, um, you know, we, that, that those efforts evolved into an early stage or into a, 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 a fund uh, that we started called Queensbridge Venture Partners, which was named after the housing project where, where he grew up. And, you know, for me, it was really a learning experience. Didn't really know much. And I was just kind of grateful to be there and um, felt honored that my taste could have been, you know, could contribute my point of view and my perspective into some of the things that we, we got to invest in early with some awesome people. Um, But yeah, I, I never really, I like building stuff mm. like less about like here's here's some money and I'll watch you from from the side so it was a fantastic experience we got in some incredible companies but then as I started continuing down my journey and became more mission oriented and still figuring out what that meant um, I'd say in 2019 a good friend of mine that I've known actually known since high school uh, a guy named Austin um, we both grew up right down the street right in South LA together uh, he you know, it was rare for two, he was in, he very in a different path. Entered into venture capital and went to B school to to study it. Went and got a job at a firm and worked his way up and built his own kind of reputation and skill set knowledge in in the space. And the thing that we would always kind of talk about, you know, growing growing up where we grew up, not a lot of people knew what that was. Mm-hmm. And the exposure and the, the the thing that we always talked about was there was such a huge opportunity to invest in people. Uh, that that grew up in the community that we grew up in, that if they knew that this asset class existed, that somebody would ha- hand you, you know, half a million, million bucks to go work on an idea and go build out the scaffolding and, and, and change the trajectory of not only your life, but the world based on how big yeah. you can make it. Um, we thought that that was something that was interesting. So Slauson was kind of the natural progression of that. And, you know, we, we um, had an interesting year. We started in early 2020. Um, our mission was, you know, not on a top of mind for a lot of people. Thought it was kind of like a noble cause, and then, you know, we all it takes is like one person in the right position to kind of believe in what you're doing, um, and then the perfect storm around a global pandemic, uh, the unfortunate events around, you know, what happened with George Floyd, and it became all of a sudden what we were talking about became top of mind for a lot of people. So yeah, at our core, we're a pre-seed and seed stage fund. Uh, you know, no quota or anything around diversity, but just investing uh, in founders that are, you know, in the, with the demographic that's more representative of, of the U.S. population, focused on the, on the U.S. So, yeah. What were you doing before Queensbridge? Because, you know, your, your LinkedIn stops at Queensbridge, right? <laughs> and just put Queensbridge in perspective, like, I think uh, two, like, sort of major wins that I know of is Ring. Uh, was one as it was Pluto TV, which I was mm-hmm. starting team yeah. up. So thank you. Um, but like, what was AJ doing? Like, I don't know. What were your aspirations as a kid? And like, this seems to have come out of nowhere to some yeah. to some degree. I, I don't know. To be, I mean, you know, I'm still trying to figure that part out. But I guess my earliest memories were, you know, I was born in Detroit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you know, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't claim we, it. We, but no, I was, we still give you a card. We'll I, enter, you a card. I entered the world in Detroit. My earliest memories were here, and I was raised by a, a single mother. Um, 
and my earliest memories were her. Was it your mother or some mother. other single? Yeah, no, no, it was my single mother. <laughs> I was an only child, and my earliest memories were her starting a business out of our one-bedroom apartment in Inglewood. So, um, it's, you know, some people's parents are doctors or lawyers or mechanic or whatever. You, that's what you see. That's what your orientation of the world is. So mine was somebody who had no formal education we had to figure out like it was either i'm going to work these three minimum wage jobs and i got to raise this kid or i'm going to try to figure some shit out and i helped her figure shit out from the earliest my earliest memories i remember riding my bike when i was like five or six years old to the bank to make deposits to printing labels and you know shrink wrapping tapes and things like that so you know i think entrepreneurship was always kind of something that and then i just like selling shit i was a kid selling locker candy out of his locker i had a brief stint selling weed out of my carpool ring for like a week and that didn't work out very well um and then just you know just really enjoyed bringing creating value for people um through things that i could you know earn a profit on but like that didn't necessarily lend itself to you know when i went to school majored in business but i didn't really know what i wanted to do after so um and i and i'm also I can be a little impulsive. I started my first business out of undergrad, and it was not not sexy. I was servicing uh, production companies and movie studios with equipment rentals. A lot of the stuff that we're looking at here, yeah. that was I was just kind of thank like, you guys. Yeah, AJ likes. But it. no, I mean, all of this got cheaper and kind of put me out of business. But um, <laughs> yeah, and then I worked on a startup that was focused on bringing stereoscopic 3D into like the home it's when like all the tv manufacturers are like 3d and then dspn is like we got a 24-hour 3d network and then nobody wanted it because wearing glasses at home is weird <laughs> and i thought that but i thought they were smarter than i was so Isn't I'm that like, weird? like me, yeah, i think yeah. instinct is a thing right because it's like yeah. there's a lot of waves that come mm-hmm. and you're like mm, i don't know yeah. And, you know, like, same thing with VR. When it, I mean, I remember, like, feeling like the industry was just talking to itself about yeah. VR. And there was, I was like, at one point, there were more VR companies than there were people who were using it. Yeah. And, like, I remember I gave a talk at the, um, the NEA. And I was like, my next slide was on VR. And I was like, how many people have you done a VR experience? Mm-hmm. 1,500 people, three people raised their hand. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is, like, it's different. Like, this, you know, the idea of critical mass is not always what we think it is. Um, and I, I like this kind of, like, unsexy part of it or not going after the shiny objects, especially in an era where we're talking about, like, artificial intelligence and Web3 and Metaverse and NFT. Like, there's all these, like, industry buzzwords. But when I look at the Slauson & Co., you know, portfolio, it's, I mean, it's bread and butter businesses. Mm-hmm. Like, how, like, w- how do you make your selections? And maybe give us a, a couple of examples. Yeah. So when we think about, you know, economic inclusion, and we think about what that means more broadly, so it's like broken up into two different sectors. So one is we define it as SMB tech. So not investing in small businesses, but um, investing in the tools and the technologies that support the next generation of small business owners. I go back to the story of like my mother. This is an uneducated immigrant woman with no like formal training in the path that she started to go. She just, you know, uh, saw a window and, you know, slowly kind of inched her way up to build out her capacity. But when I think about some of the things that she had to do and a lot of the inefficiencies that quite frankly, a lot of like, you know, the, the older generation of small business owners are, there's a lot of pen and paper. And then a big trend that we saw was this. Just put this in perspective. This is like a video business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So. But it's, but it's also, it's interesting. You start to see there's this big uh, shift happening. Um, in a, in a legacy transfer happening from these small business owners to, mo- to to millennials, mostly like the next generation. These are people who started businesses that are, you know, retiring and handing to their sons and daughters. And they're not going to be, you know, pen and papering. They're going to want to use technology the same way they, they, they do in their everyday life. So, um, you know, and then, you know, as uh, how we connect that to our mission is, 
you know, the way we see it, 50 years from now, we're either all working for Amazon or a small business is still going to be the backbone of America and we'll kind of continue to push innovation. And then the other category where we focus is, is a little bit more broad, but we define it as culturally aligned consumer uh, tech-enabled products and services. So products yeah, and services an for who's Catch more... Whose values are, uh, can you spell that? T-H-A-T. Uh, okay. Uh, so um, products and services that are more aligned with the values of the customers that they serve. So I think, you know, last decade we've seen a lot of products that have achieved a lot of critical mass but may not necessarily have had business models that were that were aligned with the values of their customers. Uh, but then we also see, you know, large shifts in the, demogra in the population, um, the demographics of the population, and that they, they don't necessarily have products and services that speak directly to them, so. Um, when you're talking to marginalized founders, you know, and imagine like in addition to capital and operational assistance, there's also just like conversational, like I need, I need perspective. Mm -hmm. um, walk me through that process or like what that, piece of the business is like just to have a human-to-human -human conversation with somebody yeah. about what they're building and what they're up against and what the opportunities are and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, so you going into it, you, you have to believe that, like a core belief for us is your lived experience is your competitive advantage. So, you know, this isn't just giving people a look because they come from a marginalized community. It's like, no, you're dope and you've done dope shit and you've, you know, you've, you've been successful in whatever path that you've chosen. Um, and now you're kind of entering into this world where like, wow, there's this massive problem that, you know, I'm, 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 more, we're more than likely a novice on that we're looking for them to kind of educate us and we get to see how they think and talk about the world and what big problem that they're trying to solve because at the end of the day we're we're, we're taking big swings and hoping for big outcomes so when we meet somebody you know that 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 you know comes from a community that just you know historically hasn't gotten the funding or isn't connected to your you know ivy league or stanford ecosystem or work or was an early employee at you know a big tech company um there's a little bit of a learning curve and a, and more of a confidence curve too right it's like how do you how do we think about um you know understanding get, once we gain the confidence that they know what they're talking about and that they're uniquely qualified to figure it out um again we we invest in the early stage so we'll, we're, we're comfortable with things changing but um you know, how do we really build the scaffolding and, you know, whatever, what is it that we can do um, based on the experience that we've had investing, building companies, building communities, and, you know, uh, and then recognizing patterns that we could contribute, like make a contribution yeah. to improve the outcomes and of, of their chances of success. We really position ourselves somewhere between a coach and a cheerleader, but we've also been super grateful to have like a network of people that believe in us and what we're doing and like have offered to like lend their knowledge and their expertise and their networks as long as we you know connect them at very it's specific interesting because uh, you know I'm, i met a guy shout out uh to roger romaine hmm, cool Fancy name nice, right really cool name uh cool guy uh and when you know our initial conversation he's like i don't want to be king i'm a king maker and he's proven that time and time over and over again as a manager or as a business operator, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like there's an essence of that, right? And what you do is like, I'm going to help give rise to this class of entrepreneurs. And, you know, I look at the bookend of you being connected to the Nazis of the world, the Issa Rays of the world, and, you know, Hilltop as, as far as the, the coffee business goes. Um, where do you see your personal role and personal mission? Like the company's thing is one thing, like, 
where does the AJ ness of it come? Yeah, it's it, it's something that I struggle with actually kind of describing. But like the 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 old party question, what do you do? Like the answer that I've piloted for a while now that I think I'm gonna roll with is like I, I feed people is the way that I view my role. Like whether it's in the hospitality business, you just mentioned Hilltop, we we feed people. Uh, quality experience but we actually feed people food there's yeah. a business model. and pretty delicious food. yeah thank you enjoyed it you know whether it's in the in the um you know, the, the non-profit philanthropy space through programs like hashtag lunch bag which have now evolved into other things we've started off feeding people that didn't necessarily know where their next meal was coming from and then you know stumbling on the fact that the people that are providing the meals were feeding their own humanity and now in this new role it's Lawson we're you know feeding people capital and we're feeding people resources and perspective and you know connections to to, to you know build big businesses fast so I mean when, when I think about the thing that I bring that brings me the most joy is just bringing people from different walks of life that you would never imagine could ever connect or have something in common together for the right reasons to kind of create some type of outlier outcome um, and in that mission of feeding people, you know, I think about where I think it was the first hilltop is in Inglewood. Is it the first one? Slauson. Oh, my, my bad. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. Uh, where, was, where was the second one? Uh, Inglewood. Where was the third one? Uh, Eagle Rock. Then the one downtown. Fourth, oh, one, yeah. God, man, you yeah, on a roll. We just opened one downtown. Yep. And what span of time? This is like a couple of years. So yeah, we we uh, we launched the so hilltop for all the listeners uh, is kind of the it's if if it's our first sports bar and hashtag lunch bag had a baby. The way I describe it is it would be hilltop coffee and kitchen. So hilltop we opened the first one in summer of 2018. Um, it's a coffee shop. It's right down the street from where you know uh, I grew up, um, where my partners grew up. And the area that has historically had, you know, uh, some great, you know, uh, legacy businesses, mom and pop shops, and uh, but mostly fast food stores. And we we wanted to build something that was a quality offering for the community that had a mission orientation around, you know, hiring people from the local community, teaching leadership and entrepreneurship through entry level employment, and then. And then for me personally, it was just, you know, bringing, having a space in the community where people could come and be creative or work on their entrepreneurial, do coffee shop shit mm-hmm. and not have to drive 40, <laughs> 45 minutes to, to Venice or downtown or coffee West Hollywood to, to, to go do coffee shop shit, uh-huh. um, which is, which is, which is beautiful. And, you know, um, the, even the name is just kind of centered around this idea of like, we're all climbing something, right? Mm. Like, and then once you kind of, you're looking at this hilltop, you achieve this goal, there's, you realize that there's a higher hill that you want to climb. Yeah. So it kind of promotes this idea that there's really no um, destination, it's only milestones. There's no so, limit. Uh, and we were able to attract some really cool people to join that mission out of the gate. So that was cool. Um, like who? Uh, I mean, one, one of our partners is, you know, the uh, our girl Issa Rae. She has a, you know, she has a, had a, had a show um, on HBO called Insecure. It was set in yeah. South LA specifically. <laughs> she lives in the neighborhood. She's from there. Nobody really represents like that idea. And when we met her, she even said like, I was like, what would you be doing if you weren't becoming, you know, taking over Hollywood? She's like, I'd probably be in a coffee shop doing coffee shop shit. I'm like, well, you should be in a coffee shop. And we, you know, we made it, we, we, we made it make sense. And we ended up uh, announcing our partnership when we opened our second flagship location in uh, late 2019, right before the pandemic. So, good times. Speaking of pandemic, mm. uh, the metaphor I was just thinking of in my head, because you've been dropping a lot of metaphors. I was like, you're like a virus, but a good one. Mm, yeah. Yeah, see? 
See, I'm, I'm gonna turn around okay. um, because the reason I'm thinking about that because I think about where that hilltop location is that I try to refer to as the whatever number it is. Um, but in that complex, you know, you're starting to take over other spaces. You're gonna create pop-up spots for some of the other brands and companies that you've created. It's like just a slow burn mm -hmm. and a, a slow injection. Um, and then I wrote down something from one of you guys' Instagram posts, um, which is creating sy systemic change isn't easy. And in that post, there was a video of Austin talking to his son about what he was like, who's probably like five or four in the, seven, in the seven. five. I'm getting them all wrong. Today. Mm -hmm. um, he looks he looks so young uh, for his age, but he's, he's like, what do you want to be? I want to be an artist. And then his, uh, Austin asks him, what uh, does he know what an entrepreneur, what a, uh, an investor is um, or what a venture capitalist is? So. When I read this, creating systemic change isn't easy, and you're taking these like slow and deliberate but effective steps. Like, what is the thesis or the theme or the process by which you're you're approaching? Man, this? that's such a good question. I mean, you know, I think that we live in this era where everybody wants to see fast results. I mean, even being in the venture capital industry, our job is to make things happen fast. But then kind of balancing that out with, you know, our vision for the world, Austin is very well accomplished in his own right. Um, you know, from, you know, his philanthropic things and creating more equity and inclusion, specifically in the LA technology ecosystem, which it, it perfectly kind of complements. We, we care about the same things, we just go about it in a different way. And when we kind of think about the mountain that we're kind of climbing and we're, you know, when we think about, you know, this country and all of the great things about it, but then also, you know, like the history that, that, that that's not necessarily our brightest spots. I think we can all kind of agree what got us here in a relatively short period of time. It's only been a couple hundred years. And it's like, we kind of understand this idea of what makes this country great, but then also like, and how far we've come, but how far we actually have to go. And, and, and for us, I think we look at everything through the lens of what could be, and we, you know, going back to the idea of like, how do I view myself? Like my favorite thing to do is kind of tell stories and f figure out ways to get other, to engage other people and enroll other people that are quite frankly, much more influential and have way more resources than we have to believe in what we believe and give it and make it easy for them to kind of participate. So the, the, the back part of what you said, creating systemic change isn't easy. Um, it takes a village. And when I think about the and co part of Slauson and co, you know, that's we're very grateful for the, the people that have entrusted us with their capital, with their relationships, with their resources and believing in us because we know that this is something that's going to take a while. And we want to do as good of a job as we can building a brand that resonates with people that just a wider variety of the population that just doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. hasn't necessarily felt seen or acknowledged or given the the resources that they need to go out and have their perspective represented in the market and a small subset of those could be the next twitter or google maybe not twitter uh google or you know uh, old twitter whatever yeah, old twitter. yeah. What, do, what twitter is supposed to be whoops uh, oh, oh all right <laughs> great platform uh, yeah transitioning inflammatory tweets <laughs> inflammatory um which is, okay, I, I won't dive too deeply into it, but uh, th there's a duality to you. Um, At least. You know, you can't grow up how you grew up mm -hmm. and, you know, sit here with Jay-Z legs. Uh, remember Jay-Z had his legs crossed and that trended. No, do it. Yeah. I had mine too. I was trying okay, to copy okay, it. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, the word balance strikes me. Um, A, just in the number of things you have your hands in. Yeah. And like, uh, obviously there's teams of people that are uh, assisting, but like just the intellectual and the emotional capacity to balance all these things. Mm -hmm. um, what is that experience like for you? 
Oh man, this shit is hard. I I I I I, I, I was just telling um, Brittany on our team the other day. I'm like, man, I get a lot of credit for shit that like a I don't deserve the credit for, and you know, like to your point, it, it's people. Like I we are very fortunate to have the caliber of people that first and foremost give a shit about the same shit that we give a shit about or give a shit about the same. Sh- I think what? that worked. There was two yeah, words. That could have been more. Breath. Right, we've said it to a beat when it could have been. It'll yeah, be like, it'll, yeah, it'll be dope. Um, but like, yeah, it all comes down to people, and I, and I think that really starts with you know to our credit, you know, for all of these endeavors to have a vision, but then also you know to have the <laughs> to be conditioned to keep going, yeah. which is the hardest part. You know, it's like none of this shit is pretty. Innovation's not pretty. All the things that most people see are on the surface is what the general population can appreciate and give you credit for, but real ones know that it's 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 not easy. It's You've not seen pretty. the results of trial and error. And, oh, and, lots and of I error. can say trial and error yeah. like multiple times over and <laughs> lots over. Of error. You know, you know. I think that but the the more the more you try, um, the more you fail. Occasionally you'll succeed. That little success will be enough for you to continue to keep going and then build upon your success. Like all, and all success does is create the reward for good work is just more work. It's like, oh wait, it's great. That this was awesome. Here's more, and they're like, damn, I have to figure out how to balance it. But it's like, they, they, it's simple. It's all the. It's it's literally like I'm grateful to be in this position to come and you know. For you to think that I'm interesting enough to talk about the things that were working, but it, it would be nothing without, on the hashtag lunchback front, without the tens of thousands of people all over the world that have contributed their time in various capacities and lent their platforms to inspire other people to just do better and mm-hmm. make their immediate surroundings better. Uh, Hilltop would be nothing without the incredible operational team that we have and the people that we have on the front line, making sure that our, we're leaving all of our customers better than we found them. And you know, thinking about hospitality in its purest form, and at scale, what that could mean if you have like a sincerity of intent around creating a quality experience that other people can feel mm-hmm. good about. And to me, the best impact is immeasurable. If you're changing people's mind about their role in the world, how the fuck do you measure that? Mm. Like that's that's ultimate success, and that's what kind of keeps us going. And then on the Slauson front, I mean, you know, we've we've uh, we've we have a really deep bench of dope people across, you know, our core team to the people that are running our programming, the people that are operating our platform and building out our content down to the founders that we back and the customers that they're supporting. So, you know, I'm just grateful to be in this position to be able to, you know, talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned the word storytelling earlier and I know you guys do like an annual yearbook. You just hired somebody to come in and do content, which seems like a nice to have, like all these things seem like nice to haves. Why are they imperatives for you? Uh, it kind of goes back to that. The, the, it's the long game. I mean, part of it honestly is to hold ourselves accountable, right? Like we, we have this vision for the world. We don't necessarily know every step that it takes to kind of realize that vision, but um, you know, the importance of documenting it, you know, you, you have your mandatory things that you have to submit like an annual report, um, you know, going a little bit beyond and, and, and making it, you know, beautiful, <laughs> does it, you know, like, and, and, and communicating things going above and beyond to, to talk about, you know, educating people on how to think and talk about what it is that we do is kind of part of building a brand. If, if going back to your question, if there's one thing that I would be able to give myself credit for that I'm, I think I'm exceptional at is like, I just love creating brands and love mm. getting people to resonate with the, the missions of those brands, doing it for the right reasons without compromising like the experience. So, you know, part of that is like, you know, part of it is like communicating what we're doing externally. And then part of it is like 10 years from now, I can look back on 
10 years worth of annual reports, which for us are in the form of a high school yearbook. And I can look at like, oh, I didn't know we set forth to do this. We set an intention. We, we didn't just speak it into existence. We worked our ass off for these things to exist in the hopes that somebody else can point to us in the event that we're massively successful financially or however you measure success, somebody else will care enough to go look back on mm. the archives of what we've done. But hope people probably with way more resources than we have and whether they give a shit about what we give a shit about or not want to invest in the same things that we invest in because they see massive potential. And that's the way we, we think. We don't think that we, we're going to do any of this by ourselves. We I just want to inspire other people to do the same thing. Um, with all the skills you need to flex on a given day, and actually wrote that when I wrote down the word flex in my notes, I uh, uh, also wrote down Barack Obama and Will I Am because you mm. posted a photo mm -hmm. a few weeks ago. And so I'll skip my original question and go to that for a second what was that moment and um why was it you know an influential moment for you um was, i mean yeah to, to your point like about a month ago we had the opportunity to, to share the work that we were doing with slauson and co with uh president obama and valerie jarrett from the obama foundation and you know one of our uh, really close advisors uh is a man named ron conway he's kind of often considered you know the godfather of silicon valley and been doing this for decades and has is is the ultimate kind of kingmaker and connector in that ecosystem and somebody that we met early on in our journey um, that believed enough enough in us to kind of like lay the groundwork for what his sauce was and open up his network to mm -hmm. people that to, to hear about what we were doing. And, you know, he was hosting a uh, founder summit um, where he was going to interview President Obama as a keynote fireside chat. And he's like, you guys should come up and, um, you know, spend some time and learn more about the work that they're doing and share some of the things that we're doing. So, you know, obviously you see things like that on social media. Of course it looks cool. Uh, but for us, it was just a validation that we we're kind of on the right path and, you know, doing cool stuff that people that we admire that have changed the course of the world. Yeah. And I, and I don't mean it like as a flex, just for the sake of flexing, right? I think it, at some point for the right audience, the right person who sees it, it becomes inspiration yeah. and aspiration. So I, I, I think that's great. Um, when we think about the concept of masters of craft, you know, kind of counterintuitive because I think there is no mastery. What's a thing that you're trying to master in your life right now? Oh, man, I just want to master the, 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 the two things are really just, you know, more so on the personal front because, you know, I think I'm you know, really starting to develop the confidence around, you know, the ability to create things that, that matter. Like, you know, you, you do something once, you kind of feel like, ah, oh, it was luck. Um, you can't do that again. And then, you know, even if it might be something completely different, but it's like the, the, the thing that I'm on a personal level, just, you know, I know in my heart is like the key to a lot of, uh, great things is just remembering to kind of be grateful, not, not, not kind of be grateful, remembering to, to, to practice gratitude. And that's something that I have just not been programmed from an early <laughs> age. And it's something, there's a lot of unlearning that has yeah. kind of been done of like default settings. Um, you know, we all have our stuff that we kind of grew up with. Our, I think all of our parents probably try to do the best that they could. But I think that for me, it's, it's really just a personal journey to kind of apply whatever, whether it's pain or trauma mm -hmm. or success and kind of pile all that up and pour it into whatever the project is. There's a quote that I love, which is um, sometimes we try to give, uh, wait, we try hard to give our kids what we didn't have, but we forget to give them what we did have. I think I botched that. But the idea is that, you know, there's experiences that, you know, you, you, you know, like that kind of made you who you are, mm -hmm. that you're now a parent, right? And it's like, 
you want to give them some of that grit and some of that like list you got to figure it out but you also like you've been been able to be in a position where you can be a better provider um than maybe you experienced so like how do you balance that um that's a great. That's a great, another great question. You're really good at this. You Thank should, you. You, I, should, you know, you start a podcast. <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, I, I just hit you with a soldier boy. I'm bad. very, you know, again, as with most things, you know, like all my partnerships across any business or philanthropic. I mean, the most important partnership is you know having an incredible wife that I met through volunteering with Hashtag Lunchback. So when I think about it all started with a sandwich. Gi- giving has given me everything that I've gotten, and I think that you mm. know through those, uh, you know, I, I think. The, the my favorite part about being a father is getting to be a kid again um, through the, the the lens of my children who ask the most basic rudimentary questions that I think that I have the answer to. But then as I'm explaining them, I'm like, oh, I don't think I understand this. Am I smarter than a fifth grader? No. I mean, I got I have to reassess it and I get to, I, then I have to. I have to make sure that I'm not passing along any bias or mm-hmm. any uh, anything that's just, quite frankly, not right or didn't necessarily age well, and I get to reframe it for myself. And, you know, uh, I think for me, a lot of the work that I've done on the personal front, uh, I think therapy was kind of my gateway to, to kind of healing. I've, I've My toolbox has filled up with a lot of, you know, things like meditation, things where we spend a lot of time, and, you know, I think we been reconnecting mostly randomly running into each other at the yoga studio mm-hmm. but you know i think it's uh i forgot what the question was and i feel like now I'm but just you rambling. answered it which is great great I mean, well, also and caleb's, toe, caleb's toe is tapping hmm? caleb caleb has been tapping his foot yeah. where'd he go oh his he had a, he had a nervous tick he, he knows that this is the last episode of the day <laughs> and he's like ready to get out of here where'd you go i don't oh. know well, he must have gone to the bathroom well he's gone because he's you don't he's not tapping anymore. he missed he missed his opportunity yep. he had the best idea to pitch you it was like 60 million dollars worth of um the <laughs> he missed his opportunity yeah good. <laughs> um no i th- i think this is this is great man uh i i appreciate you coming by and like also being vulnerable you, you know i think that is a trait uh, i think as men we don't see it especially as like as men of color and as men of color who are looked up to uh f- for certain qualities and traits and like we things that we aspire to to actually live out in real life <laughs> mm-hmm. even though uh, despite i mean the, i mean on that note though and again thank you for the platform i think you know the the, the, the thing that i've learned through all of this um it's gotten you know like as hard as it is to be vulnerable in the beginning uh, the most beautiful interactions come when you're just kind of being talk about the real shit and like the best friendships that i formulated in my adult life the relationship that i built with my children when i know that i'm wrong the tough conversations that you have you know as you know you know i've been married um you know the, the 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 best shit comes out of being vulnerable and i think that that's ultimately like if more and more people feel and like vulnerability evokes more vulnerability and if more people are willing to be selectively vulnerable um <laughs> in certain settings then um we'd be surprised at what comes i mean my hemorrhoids are killing me right now that too that too vulnerable i don't know i mean i don't, I don't know vulnerable so <laughs> like, not necessarily anything i could relate to or help you with. you don't have one of you don't you have like a clinical startup good, one of your startups good, do, good, like clinic, good luck with your hemorrhoids people, help, people start <laughs> clinical this is a real thing i i, yeah. I studied up yeah. um it's just it's just one of those podcasts where you have like clips of stuff and then you have like a, a, a floating there will be no polyps image. on okay. the right. on screen right. um so you everybody's kill my vulnerability moment <laughs> 
You know, I think that I think levity is also important. Yeah, it's right. Uh, I didn't mean to. You feel you feel I slighted. Feel, no, I'm, <laughs> on, I'm here for the banter. Uh, where can we follow up? Where how can we support? Um, um, you can support. You can check out more about Slauson Co. at slauson.co. Uh, you can learn more about uh, Hilltop at findyourhilltop.com or at findyourhilltop, uh, and then hashtag lunchbag.org if you want to find ways to give back. And I'm just AJ Fresh. AJ Fresh. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Appreciate you.